0: Bruising Banner Podcast. Bruising Banner Podcast. Bruising Banner Podcast. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to Bruising Banner Podcast. I'm your host, Rob G. And with me, as always,
1: is the legendary Brew Crew. What up, fellas? I was reading this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Mama, mama. Nah, it doesn't taste like dirt. Uh, My name is Lou Belgium, ladies and gentlemen. I'm (laughs) wondering, does
0: Delaware have an actual culture? (laughs) a podcast that we talk about beer, but we also talk about a lot of things that's happening in the world politics, movies, anything really that comes to our mind while we're here. Samuel needs brews, grab a drink, pull up a chair. <laughs> ooh,
2: ooh, ooh. We love you this podcast. Yeah.
3: Why you play the part? You should have just played the part with Delaware in it.
1: Absolutely, that's what I was waiting for. Me too. I thought he was just gonna, if you gonna play that. Hey, no. on a, a war tour to go to Delaware? Who who does that? Yeah, right.
0: Right. We're the first state, so that makes sense. I I never found no uh, anything wrong about what he said. I was like, yeah, as you should. That's what I said. When yeah.
1: It, <laughs> award, <laughs> award tour, What award you getting in Delaware? It don't matter. The, it does not even matter. We on the map, baby.
0: We the first state. That's what I mean. I don't understand. We should, everybody should come to Delaware at least once. Everybody
3: to does. You <laughs> get to another state.
1: No. It doesn't matter how they get here and what they're doing here, man. Why aren't you from here? <laughs> nah, the man, hate, the know. hatred in your heart seems like you moved from Maryland or something. No, no, no. I
3: ain't from here, i just be here, you know what I'm saying?
1: you just be here?
3: Yeah, I you don't know what that means, I don't even know what that means. I'll be here all my life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, I guess it works for you. All my life, been <laughs> Paul.
1: Kind of uh, familiar to, been here.
0: <laughs> uh, what up, what up, what up? Welcome to Bruising Banter Podcast, where the topic is the rocket and the brew. Will that be the fuel, and I'm your host, Rob G, and with me, as always, the legendary brew crew. What's going on, fellas?
1: Hello, everyone. Hi. Did you say hello? Hello. (laughs) I may have, but I don't think I did. I didn't want to. (laughs) But I'm not sure how how it came out to you guys, but in my mind it was hello. Listen, what that mouth do? Hello. (laughs) Uh, This is uh, episode 228
0: of Bruising Banter Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. I'm glad you found us on these. Hi. Hi, Casting Airways. And uh, if you return a listener, thank you. Thanks for coming back. Uh, we always ask everybody, if you're coming through, make sure you smash that like button, rate, review, all that good stuff. Uh, and um, that's it. we got a great show for you this afternoon, this morning, this evening. Whenever, As always. Whenever you're listening. We have the uh, world-renowned uh, New York-based photographer, Uh That most people may, especially beer drinkers in the world, know Uh, he does his storytelling uh, behind the camera of a lot of people's beer journeys and all that good stuff. Uh, So without further ado, we want to bring in Miguel Rivas to the podcast.
4: Hello, fellas. Welcome. Welcome. welcome, Good morning, afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening. How y'all doing? I appreciate that.
0: All right. That sounds familiar. I don't know. know, Did I get the last name right? How, How do you pronounce your last name?
4: Ah, uh, you got it right. Uh, I mean, I I have a I grew up in Latin America and South America, so I have that uh, R thing. So I say Rivas. Yeah, I don't know, I
0: don't know how to put yes. R, so I, I couldn't do it.
4: I <laughs> <laughs> but you got it right. You got it right.
0: Yeah, I, I figured Dude. I figured with the rolling of R thing, I knew I could. I should have. You, you can't roll your R's at all. We've already had this discussion. No, not. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Try it for us again. Come on, I, Rob. I,
0: I should have had you do it. Yeah, do it. I can. No, Rob. When Ruffles have ridges, I could not do it. So. I could, <laughs> I don't know i was not even gonna try
1: no problem that's <laughs> all right right uh
0: but we, we thank you for uh being here but before we get into uh why you're here and all that good stuff we always like to know what everybody is drinking on so miguel what are you uh drinking today
4: well, since this was a special occasion to be with y'all here, so I brought something uh, a little special. This is uh, from uh, brewery Darenka in Belgium. Oh, all right. Oh, really? so this is their uh, odd brewing, which is uh, like a Flanders red. It's a sour uh, brown ale kind of thing. So I figured open it here with y'all. Oh, nice. Yeah,
1: that's like a, a sour brown ale type of thing, like a hybrid, like. A mixture.
4: Well, it's uh, so Bruin. It's a brown in uh, Flemish, I think, and it's um, it's like an aged um, brown ale, but. and I don't want to get in too much into technicality because I know that you have a lot of like beer beer people in here, so I don't want to like butcher this. <laughs> but it's uh, it's no, it's a it sour been, beer. It would have been fine. It been fine. Yeah, it's right, it's, it's, it's a little cold. sour, and I can okay. tell you right now after I taste it. But usually that's like the description. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. It's a sour brown ale. I'm oh, gonna see the oh yeah, oh, yeah. That see hard. the color.
3: Yeah, that's nice. I want some. Can you pass it through the? Uh...
4: <laughs> so that's what I will be drinking. Cheers to y'all. Cheers. What's, What's the ABV uh, on that, Miguel? Yeah. This one says uh, five eight. Okay. So, okay. You know. All right. All right, y'all about right. to drink that whole bottle drink, boy. <laughs> Damn, that is sour. It is sour.
2: <laughs>
4: like my palate was not ready for that. I was just drinking coffee before that, so that just hit and I'm Wow <laughs>
0: Damn. <laughs> uh, 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 uh.
3: It looked good though. Yeah. Is it still is it still
4: This would like, have been a good a good beer for uh, Thanksgiving to pair okay. with uh like the cranberry sauce. Oh right, right okay, right. okay,
1: all right. Okay. Let us know if the flavor profile changes over the, the course of your interview. Like, as it warms up okay. or whatever. Yeah.
4: <laughs> what about y'all? What are y'all drinking? That's why I keep half of my axe.
1: All right, Lou. All right, Luke. Right, what you <laughs> drinking um, on? Um, because it, it is officially the holiday season, I'm going to try to do some holiday beers throughout the rest oh, yeah. of our year uh, here. So I have uh, uh, Yoda's favorite brewery, Victory, uh, the Merry Monkey. I'm being sarcastic. Yoda doesn't like uh <laughs> victory sour. He doesn't like victory sours. I think you would like this one though, Yoda. Nah, I uh, they don't like victory sours. It's just one sour that I Right, need. but we it took you like a year or two to get over the fact that they make different sours than the one you don't like. That's true. Yeah, so but uh this one is called the Merry Monkey. It's a, a Belgian style ale with cranberry, orange peel, cinnamon, and nutmeg. Um, it says and to all a good night. This Belgian-style holiday ale combines the beloved flavor profiles of the golden monkey with notes of cranberry, orange peel, cinnamon, nutmeg to deliver the delightfully smooth finish. Uh, perfect for merry gatherings with family and friends. Rob, I have malts and hops. It's Pilsner, roasted barley, Pilsner, and roasted malted barley malts. And the hops are Cascade and uh, Technogang. Technogang. Technogang? Technogang. Yep. Technogang. Yeah. But yeah, this is what it looks like in the uh in the Bruising Banner uh, which is available on sale if you guys want to purchase it. Um, it's that's what it looks like, and it it has a lot of cinnamon in it. I can taste the orange peel. Not a, not enough cranberry to say it was cranberry in there, but the nutmeg like it it does taste uh very very festive, very very uh tis the season, and it's uh ABV is ten point zero percent. So uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That Mary that monkey is going to be Mary. <laughs> yeah, and, it sure. is. i I definitely uh, I would definitely pass me another, but I would advise to have just one. Absolutely. Maybe you would advise if you one. Have, Yeah, have just one, but if you want to have a, more than another, be at your home or call an right. Uber. There you
0: go. Yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> right, cuz that's that's heavy. That ain't mm-hmm. big. Yeah. All right. yeah, but it's delicious. It's re- it's really good. All right. Yo, what you drinking though?
3: So what I'm drinking on is from that I'm holding in my left hand. (laughs) Do you always have to do that? Yeah, I feel like you gotta hold. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even let your right hand touch it. You gotta open it with your left hand. You gotta crack the thing open. Cow, right? Pour the glass with your left hand. All that stuff, right? Because from Left Hand Brewing Company, and um, this is their peanut butter milk stout. So, mm. as you see, there's peanut butter can't chocolates on there, like kind of like your Reese cups, but you know, we can't say that they're Reese cups because we don't know for sure. It could be a they, they can't say Reese
1: cups, there. they can't right. say Reese cups. Yeah, they can't say that, but I'll say that
3: it looks like a Reese yeah. cup. It and does. so, this is a uh, rich milk chocolate notes teamed up with peanut butter, um, perfection for a delicious dark duel, right? And this comes in. At a six point two alcohol by volume, and you said I it love- is a stout, Yoda. Yes, yeah, a milk stout, mm-hmm. peanut butter milk stout. This is what it looks like. So it's a, you mm-hmm. know yeah yeah, your dark stout is, has and the flavor profiles. I guess really when you drink something with peanut butter in it, it's hard to like uh, get out of that realm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because peanut butter got that that very distinct flavor to it. So you really you taste. Everything they're saying, the chocolate and the peanut butter in it. So, they okay, this is good. This is good. So, this is really like good. tastes
0: like, like, like a Reese's cup, yeah. It tastes like a Reese's cup mm. with some alcohol, uh, in it. alcoholic Reese's cup. Yeah,
3: I like it. Yeah. pass me another of these. Yeah. I, I actually went for like,
1: and by the way, you can get these uh glasses as well. Let us mm. know if you want one, okay? Mm-hmm. A DM. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I actually had that on tap at, at left hand. That was delicious. That was a really oh, really choice. It probably tastes even better on tap. I'm sure, I'm sure it does, but just I remember that one specifically. So that, that was a really good choice that you got there. Yeah, it's hard for me to even sip it. I just want to go. just wanna not, eat it. Yeah. Rob, what you got? What are you drinking on this week?
0: I actually got um from Alvarium, mm-hmm. I think that's how you say it, Alvarium uh beer company. With an A. Yeah. Alvarium, their company is called mm, it's mm. called Cruising. It's actually a collaboration between them and Crafted Crew out of uh Connecticut and uh, the unknown uh unknown beer uh clothing company. Yeah, unknown clothing company. It is a uh fruited lager with peach and pink guava. It's called Amen. Amen. <laughs> it's a uh it's only four point eight percent uh as yeah. a fruited lager.
1: Definitely in. So it does yes. have
0: a uh uh, a guava and uh, uh, pinkish, a peach's color. And um,
3: hmm. how come we didn't bring that with him
1: the two yeah, days? Yeah, he definitely left that at the house. <laughs> two days, two days, two days, Lou. Uh, oh yeah, right. That's true. Yeah, two chances. <laughs> my It was in the back. <laughs> of course, of course it was. Of it course it was, was. Yeah, it because, in the back for us.
0: Yeah, because I got this in the front for I went, him. I got this when I went to uh, um, change up the in the air. Yeah, changing air. So within was in the back of my uh, supply. Uh, so okay. There, there it is. So now my, I
3: feel like that wasn't that long ago. So it should have been. I would was supposed like to say the back of the
1: supply front. sounds like a, ba- a barrel and flow August type of thing. But right. like you went in, the, didn't you go in November? Right. Uh, no, when it wasn't it, changing October, air. October.
0: In November? October.
1: October. October. So I've had a lot less than a month ago. I have a lot of
0: That's beer in the refrigerator. Ago. I've had uh, Wilmington Brew Works. I've had all the six beers of uh,
1: Okay. Kind of so sore.
0: So it was like a lot of uh, beers in my uh, fridge. And sometimes I get kind of pushed sore. in the back. Plus, I still got the beers from our, uh, um, our beer bash in the front. So it was, it was stuck back there. A lot, of, a lot Yo, of beer happening around here.
3: Rob, it's so funny. Uh, I'm trying not to watch, but Miguel is over here struggling with this <laughs>
0: <with the> sour.
4: <laughs> I'm just getting you my like palate uh, adjusted. <laughs> oh, but it's tasting oh. good, though. As you get it in.
3: Are you sure? Are you sure?
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not definitely not a beer that you're going to be, like, you know, going to on a hot day and going to be drinking, like, a whole thing. But right now, I don't know where you're – are you all in uh, Baltimore? We're in Delaware. Okay. So it must be as cold as it is here. Yeah. So yeah. this is, you know, this is a good sipper beer. I was just reading the the back of the label, and it's, uh, it's a blend of their young – and then a two-year-old uh, barrel-age eau uh, de So it's like a blend. And, you know, as it starts to warm up, it starts to get all that, like, you know, character flavors from the barrel, a little bit of uh, caramel. Oh.
3: Yeah, so...
1: Okay. Oh, so you're working with it, Rob? What was the ABV? I like how, on? I like how his, I like his, how it's evolving over the course of these drinks. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. You said the ABV
0: was oh, yeah. was a five, Rob? Four, four, four point eight. So yeah, it's like. Five. Oh, cool. yeah. So
1: five. what's the um what's the rating? What you're doing? What you doing with it? That's uh,
0: passing another. I, I like
1: it. it looks good. And it sounds that good. Look, yeah, it looks delicious, bro. That looks really good.
0: You definitely can taste all the um the the pink peach and the guava. Um, so it's definitely, um, it's definitely different, uh, as a lager, I have a fruited lager. I don't, I don't drink many fruited lagers, so I was like, oh, this is something different. So shout out to Crafted Crew up in, uh, Craft Crew, I'm sorry, uh, Craft Crew up in, uh, Connecticut and Alvarium, uh, cause I, this was their collab, so they had it at that at the, uh, festival, so shout out to them. Got it in my little glass, there it is, banter.
3: Yo, let me ask you this, though, is the guava flavor stronger than, the, uh, the peach? Yeah. For sure, that was a great say because normally when guava going, it has such a such a very distinct taste to it. Like it's hard to go around that too unless you putting a bunch of
1: shit but, on the top of it. But, yeah. but but peach is like the peach is like the normal fruit close like equivalent for its like taste for me and guava. Like that's a really good combination to put yeah. together. Yeah, but you, you can definitely. I think that. I feel like they guava overshines it.
0: Yeah, you can definitely taste the more, more guava. There's some peach notes on like the as it sits on your tongue, but. When you first mm-hmm. sip it, it's it's like, hey, I'm I'm pink guava, I'm here. Right, <laughs> yeah, um, gotcha. Um, all right, uh, well, we uh, want to get into this conversation and know a more about the beer uh, precker, the beer, pecker, the beer project. How uh, Miguel got into photography first place, and then uh, and then transitioned to the beer photography as well. So, without further ado, Miguel, we want to let you know, uh, we want to know who who you are, how you got to where you are, and um, without they. What, how they always say um, the proverbial floor is yours. So once again, welcome to the podcast and let uh, us know who who
4: who Thank you, y'all, for the invitation again. I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, glad to be sharing some beers and some stories with y'all. So tell you a little bit about me. My name is Miguel Rivas. Uh, I was born here in the United States, but I grew up in Venezuela. And I moved back, um, uh, almost 30 years ago, moved back. And I've been in New York for a little over 20.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and, uh, I started my, well, let's get a little bit of background. So project is called the beer Trekker. It's a project that I started 10 years ago and I put together three things that I'm passionate about, photography, traveling and beer. Uh, and I started traveling around the world, visiting breweries and documenting it. I was more focused on the documenting part of the people behind the beer. Uh, so, and a little background of that, uh, how do I got into photography? I, I didn't study photography. I learned uh, self, uh, self-taught. Um, I've always been curious about photography. I've been a fan, uh, hobby and years back in 2005 um i was working at a record label here in new york a world music record label and i was doing the press uh, i was in charge of the press publicity events uh for for the latin american market so of course since i was doing the press um I could get my, I could make myself press passes and go to a lot of shows. I had a lot of access to shows and music. So I started taking advantage of that and started going to a lot of the shows. And I had to, I was like the liaison between the artists and the label. So I had a lot of content with the, with the artists and I started taking advantage of that, going to, to all the shows that I could and taking my camera. And I used to shoot a lot in uh, Central Park here in the summer. In New York, they do a lot of free events in Central Park and Prospect Park. They do all these free concerts in the summer. It's amazing. And uh, the music that captured me uh, the most was uh, African music. Uh, and I got to meet a lot of the, the artists from Africa, especially the ones from uh, Western Africa, uh, Senegal, Mali. Uh, and I became good friends with a lot of these artists. And so I started taking my camera and taking pictures. And I remember at one show in Central Park, I used to see this older gentleman there, you know, one of those guys that, you know, that's uh, a pro. He had like three cameras hanging different lenses. <laughs> right. And, you know, I was there with my little camera just taking pictures. And But I would always would talk to him. Because, you know, he seemed like he knew what he was doing and he had been doing it for a long time. And I remember one time he said something that to me at the time when he said it, it didn't make any sense. But later on, I understood what he meant. And what he told me was that we don't take pictures here. That's first when he tells me that I'm looking at like what this crazy old dude talking <laughs> about. We all have cameras here. What are you talking okay. about? We don't, don't take pictures. He got three of them. And he said, no, we don't take pictures. We capture moments. Mm. And I was like, huh, okay So I had to let that sink in for, for a while Until I understood what he meant And especially that kind of photography uh, Music, live music You cannot just be there And ask the guy the Any of the bands Hey, hold on, just, just hold it there, hold up right. You can't, you can't do that mm. You have to actually right. capture a moment uh, So he taught me a little bit The ropes of, you know, the the unspoken etiquette of being in the pit, which is, you know, you pick a place and you stay in your place and you learn how to shoot from there because if you Mm -hmm. start running around from side to side, you're going to, can you curse here? Yes. Oh yeah, of course. Oh yeah. You're going to fuck up people's pictures. If you start running from side to side, you're going to mess up other people's pictures. You have to be respectful of that too. So pick a place, stay there and shoot from there. And then, you know, you have to learn, you know, if that artist in particular doesn't like to walk around the stage and he doesn't like to stay here and you're all the way at the end then you're fucked. All the pictures are going to be, you know, like that, but just find a place, pick a place and work your magic from there so you know I, I learned a bunch of stuff in there so going back to the to the photography thing to the beer project so when I started doing my my project I wanted to focus more on that uh, type of photography of documenting and telling stories of the people behind the beer not only just you know the, the owner or the brewer that everybody sees like anybody and you know for everybody who's into beer and understands about beer, you know, there's a lot of people who think, and I, I shit you not, there's people who think that beer comes from when you pull the faucet out of the wall <laughs> in a bar. People think that the beer comes from there. And I, can it's, believe, I can
3: believe that people believe, think that.
4: And, and it's okay. You know, it's a, it's a matter of, you know, you have to understand and learn you know like like everything else you, some people are ignorant about certain certain topics is the same thing with this so for me that i have been involved in this for 10 years now i have seen a lot of the process of the beer from from the ground meeting the the farmers who you know grow the the barley and then the maltster sort who of turn into malt and the brewers who turn that into beer and the farmers who grow the hops So I have been to all these places and work with these people closely so it's uh, for me it was very important also to tell those stories because usually that's not the people that you know about when you're drinking a glass of beer you don't know for for the most part you don't know who are the farmers who are growing those hops more importantly not the farmers who are growing the hops the people who are harvesting Mm the hops i have been i have experienced hop harvest for the last four years in yakima and i gotta say that's one of some of the most grueling jobs i've seen because they only have 40 days to harvest the whole season Mm. and they work 24 hours a day seven days a week for 40 days Uh, Because they have to get that hop, they have to get them out. Otherwise, you know, if they're passed, then it's no good anymore. So it's uh, it's a lot of work. And as you will imagine, a lot of the people who work there are a lot of migrants that come from Central America from mexico some are like seasonal workers they come do the harvest and they go back to their to their countries but some stay and for me that i was able to work there with uh, a couple of the farms that i that i went there i spent the whole week and they gave me like a camper inside the the farm in between the hop uh, and the hop uh, yards i would just wake up at any day at any time of the day and just be in the middle of the hop fields So I got to, and because I speak Spanish, it was very easy for me just to uh, have conversation with all these people. And at first they will see me. And I've had this thing where in the United States until I open my mouth, I'm not American enough, even though I was born here, but I have an accent. So after I open my mouth, you're like, Oh, where are you from? All right. I'm from the United States. Oh, but you, you have an accent. Yeah. But I'm still, I was still born here. <laughs> right. And then right. in Latin America, they don't see me as, as I'm right. from there either because like, well, mm. oh, but you're, you know, you're, you're very white and you know, <laughs> I don't have much hair now, but you know, I used to have like uh, blondish hair. My beard used to be like red, and mm. people are like, mm, until I open my mouth and speak, speak in Spanish. They're like, Oh shit. <laughs> so it's always been like, uh, I mean, like in, in the middle and that was kind of like the, the the looks that I will get from all these workers in the, in the farm, they will be like looking at me with my camera and then I'll start speaking to them in Spanish and they'll look at each other. Like you speak Spanish. I'm like, yeah, I do. I speak Spanish. And you know, having this conversation with the people with all them and I will learn so much from them. Some of them have been working there for 27 years. uh and you know it was just very eye-opening to to see the amount of work that goes behind all of this and again it's just for us to have a glass of beer in a glass but there's so much work that goes behind that that uh, it was pretty amazing so that was kind of like my 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 idea from the beginning, I wanted to find all these stories. And then, of course, you know, after 10 years, you get to meet a lot of people in the industry. I have created a very big network of industry people around the world. That's how I met Rob at, at CBC uh, this year. Was it this year or last year? This year? It was this
3: year, right? It was this year. Yeah, yeah that was this year we went yeah. What, what, in uh it? in nashville, in nashville. In nashville yeah. yeah yeah so that was, yeah, this, yeah. That was
0: this,
1: this year, year. <laughs> it was, <this> year. <laughs> <laughs> it was earlier it was just
4: earlier in the year that's we've <laughs> only
1: been to we only been to one cbc <laughs> i know but
4: this, was so my, but time, yeah, this, this was my stage third. Stage. That was your third. This, this was your my third this was my third okay but my second one working with the uh, with the brewers association okay, okay. nice nice yeah. So. yeah so yeah that's a little bit in uh, in a nutshell uh what what the project is about. I have a question about
1: um you spending the week in the hop farm. You yep. your story is the the pictures, but do you is the story written? Is it in a magazine or online anywhere? Or do you tell the story to a writer or is it just your your picture a documentation?
4: So again because of i've been doing this for so long i'm not a writer even though i have written some pieces every now and then i don't consider myself a writer Um, so i also started meeting a lot of people in magazines uh you know back in the day there were still magazines that were specialized in beer not not anymore a lot of them have yeah. closed or are just gone extinct or just go all online but i i met a lot of like uh editors from magazines so what i will do is i have a really really big uh, bank of images of you know you name it of anything related to to beer and beverage well, uh, so i started just creating this like a uh, image a bank image and then i will contact uh, the the editors from these magazines or publishing publishing companies or even ahead of time when i knew that i was going to be traveling somewhere i will let them know hey i'm going to so-and-so places in case you are you know you have any story or something coming up i'm going to have material And then they will contact me and I will provide the pictures. But specifically for this uh, trip in the farms, I was working directly with the farms. With the family. Okay. So they will hire me for me to document uh, pretty much the process. And then they get to use these pictures for, you know, they write uh, pieces in their own blogs, in their websites, mm-hmm. uh, or they send it to magazines. A lot of the pictures that I took on those trips were highlighted in the Brewers Association. They have a magazine that comes, I think it's quarterly called The New Brewer. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of those uh, pictures were featured in there with stories that somebody wrote. Or or with uh, specific uh, topics that they were talking about, like crop and, you know, very technical stuff. Uh, But I still have all of that material. So, you know, I don't know. It's uh, something that people always ask me, like, what are you going to do with all those pictures? Are you going to write a book? Are you going to do something? I don't know yet. I don't know yet because I still have so many places that I want to go. And I feel that, you know, I still need some more material to make it. Uh, give myself,
1: I see volumes. I see volumes <laughs> and compendiums. I,
4: yeah, I have thought about that, too. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know. So, the answer is book, I don't know yet one book, what I'm going
1: to do. A one book of your photographs doesn't seem like it'll be enough. Well,
4: it's, like a, it's like a coffee table book,
0: right? Like a coffee table. Book,
1: yeah. Like, hmm, like, like has... a thousand pages, though. Uh,
4: <laughs> you, you could, but... I don't know. I'm uh, in, in that sense. And I, people have told me this a lot and I'm sure you have heard this a lot as well. And in life in general, it's like nothing is ever going to be perfect. Just right. fucking do it. All right. Yeah. Right. Sprint, I'm more of a, I have to make it look like perfect. And that's always <laughs> been, like a, it's not been a good thing. So yeah. sometimes I just have to like, let go and be like, fuck it, let's do it. Right. Uh, but it takes a while for me to get there.
1: So, in your mind, is it in your mind, is it one just big book, or is it
4: a bunch of smaller, smaller books in your mind? Well, here's my thing, because I have traveled a lot. and here in the United States, yeah, we are like kind of like the uh, innovators when it comes to like new styles of beer, the craft beer movement started here in the United States, started here uh, some forty years ago, blah, blah blah. But beer is as old as civilization, right? Right, right, So there are still places that, like, one of the places that is on top of my list, and I still haven't been able to go there yet, is Africa. Like, I want to go to Africa. And even though there's a lot of countries there that, you know, don't drink because of religious beliefs, uh, but there's still fermented beverages. Like, for example, in South Africa, there are some fermented beverages, not necessarily beer but it is some, it could be a style of a beer uh, that I know of these. And I have tried some of these here in the States actually. Mm -hmm. Um, But it would be amazing to find the people who actually make it there or go to Western Africa and meet, you know, with the folks over there as well and see what they're doing. So for me, learning about those stories and being able to capture that, that will be more interesting for me than going and having a book with a bunch of all these like hype brews there in the United States. They're, right. they're all right. the same. They're all in the, in the, yeah. you know, commercial complex. Yeah. There's nothing, <laughs> you know, like I, I just spent a month and a half in Brazil a couple of months ago and just traveling around Brazil and visiting all these places. Uh, I saw beautiful breweries that are like nested in the middle of nowhere and they're like a farm and it's just like a husband and wife and their family running that those are the kind of stories that i like to tell and then they're visually more beautiful because they're not in a warehouse it's uh, actually nature and you're learning about processes that they're doing and it's something unique right so i'm still i think i'm still holding on to like a a little more of that content that that I want to get to make it more round
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Miguel. Yes. Let me know if you ever
1: need to hire like a bag boy or something. Listen, three of them. <laughs> yeah. If you need three <laughs> of them, because because I feel like, I feel like Miguel now. Miguel has like three cameras. No, Miguel has three cameras now. So we all each can hold one of them. All right. Like, just well. bring four. I want to go to. I want to go to Africa and Brazil for a month <laughs> and a half. Right. <laughs> well, I know. I want to see. I want to see a natural brewery.
0: I <laughs> know there's definitely one in Nigeria. I saw because I think I follow one in Nigeria. There's a brewery, a craft brewery, I think in Nigeria. I believe. I think
1: isn't there a woman? it's a woman's own brewery in Nigeria as well. I think, I think, but that's not the same one. I don't know if we're talking about
4: the same. There's so many stories and so many places out there that we don't know because here in the United States for better or worse, we're a little pampered. Like how many breweries are right now in the United States? There's over 10,000 breweries just in the United States alone. That's a shitload of breweries. Whereas, you know, people here are, Again, because they have that aura of they are the innovators. People are not looking outside of their bubble. Uh, so what what else sure. is out there? So when I come from my trips and I talk to friends, brewers here, and I start telling about all these places that I saw in Colombia, in Peru, in Ecuador, in Brazil, they have no clue. They have no clue about this. Beer. Oh, I didn't know they existed. And then they try the beers and they're like, God damn. They make that shit there? Yeah, they make that shit there. It's even better than yours. Right. Yeah, but yeah, you just yeah. don't know about it. And the same, it's like that everywhere. It's like that everywhere. So I feel that, at least for me, that the people who have been following me for all these years, they they use a lot of what I say. I have created some sort of a trust. Uh, with these people, because I don't go there. Like I never set out to go and, and visit every brewery in the world. That was not my thing. For me, it's more is more about quality than quantity. And I try to go to those places that have a story, or they have something special or unique. Right. That can be whatever is a different meaning for you than for me. But something yeah. unique is something that captures your attention. And for the most part, I think I have found like a niche where I found these places and people seem to react the same way that I do. And, you know, some people, when they're going to travel, I always get messages from, from followers like, Hey, I'm going to Brazil. I'm going to so-and-so. And, And, you know, I let them know, here here are my recommendations or I saw this on one of your posts. Is is it worth going? It was worth for me, but I don't know what's worth (laughs) for you. So just, just go and do it. Just go there, out there and explore, you know, that's,
1: what what uh what country ha- has that you've found has the best uh of these natural breweries or just breweries in general like outside of the states with our ten thousand like which ones I know Brazil um, is one and you said said another country
4: but what where have you thought? I'm gonna say this because that's that's a hard question uh, I would yeah, say this yeah. that there's always uh, uh interesting places everywhere I went. Everywhere that I've gone, you're always going to find something interesting. Because at the end of the day, it's not about so much about the brewery, it's the people behind it. And this is an analogy I always use. Also, when I travel, I do talks. And this is an an analogy I use in my talk that I say to brewers, because we are in the the brewing industry, but this can apply to anything in life, I guess. But I tell the brewers that 30% of your job is making the beer. 30%. 30%. The other 70% is educating your consumer and creating an experience. Because that's the only way they're going to come back. Right. You can make the best beer in the world, but you give them a shitty experience, those people aren't coming back. Yeah. And they're not going to tell anybody about your brewery either. So when you create a good experience for them, a unique experience, whatever that is, you're going to remember that because I heard this one time in a podcast and people are never going to remember what you tell them. <laughs> They're always going to remember how you make them feel. Uh, right. That's mm-hmm. true. And that is a fact. Yeah. Yeah. So like when he you create, our, he was listening to our podcast when they said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what <probably>. was that?
1: <laughs> he
3: said they listening that's... to our podcast. We heard. <laughs> that. We heard that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: Well, maybe, maybe, <laughs> but I find that to be to be true. And yes, when you create absolutely. those kind of experiences for people. You know, they're going to go back and they're going to tell their friends, their family. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. they're telling one or two people. And those people, if they come and they have the same experience, they're going to go and tell two more. Right. That creates a domino effect. Yep. You're getting yep. free publicity out there, just for being a good human being, good. And, yeah, right, and creating an experience for somebody. Because I hear so, you,
3: you know, sometimes you talk to people mm-hmm. and ask uh, with any not just breweries, but like they go places. They be like, "Oh, you know what? I had a good vibe." That's the first thing they say. Had a yeah. good vibe, and then they tell yeah. you about the food or whatever they yeah. have. Uh-huh.
1: And, and like, if the food was it's good it's- and it wasn't a good vibe, you don't normally hear
4: about it, right? Yeah, yep. <laughs> you're right about that. Yep. Yeah, that's why I was saying. It can apply to any industries. So it's the same. You just create a good experience mm-hmm. for someone, and and you already have like fifty percent of the battle won right there.
1: Yeah. You, M- Miguel, you say how, it doesn't cost how, too much. Miguel, you talk about how cookie cutter uh, American breweries have been over the last couple of years. Is there any brewery that's a natural brewery in your mind that that stands out that's
4: in the states? Oh, for sure. Um, Like one of my favorite breweries in the world is in Texas. Hmm. Uh, It's called Jester King. Okay. I don't know if you all heard them. I've Uh, never heard of them. Uh, They've been around for like uh, 12 years, 12, 13 years. They're uh, in the outskirts of Austin, what, what they call hill country.
2: Mm.
4: So it's like a 25, 20, yeah, 25, 30 minutes outside of Austin. And yeah. it's in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's in the middle of nowhere. They specialize when they started in um, Belgian style beers, farmhouse, saisons, those kind of beers. Uh, now, of course, pandemic hit and, you know, everybody has to survive. It's a business. You're not running a charity. You have people, you know, employees that you have to are responsible for. So they started also making IPAs and started canning their beers. You know, they had to do whatever they needed to do to survive, but they still make those beers that, you know, they started with. And to me, that's a uh, that's a beautiful place. It's uh, it's open air. It's a farm, and you know, over the years, they have also seen how Austin is growing. So they bought, I think it was 165 acres, all around the property, just to preserve. Yeah. So they don't oh, have a wow. bunch of condos built around. Oh right, yeah. So they just yeah. have that's very high. And, and preserving the land, and mm-hmm. it's a beautiful mm-hmm. place. You know, it's it's a beautiful place. I've been there. It's in Texas. So, you know, whenever I'm in Texas, I always make it a point to just go there, spend the day. This year I was actually lucky to spend a couple of days. Uh now because they have the land, now they bought some houses. So they have like five little Airbnbs that you can stay oh, okay. right next to the brewery. Oh, and and genius, right yeah. They do it the right <laughs> way. That is it. Yeah. So <laughs> it. but for me, it's um I, I explained this a few times in some of the podcasts I've been invited to, but for me to be able to do my job was I was saying earlier. For me, it's not about going and visit every brewery, right? And so I have a set of, let's call it, I'm not going to call them rules. Let's just say there are a set of parameters that I look for when I decide if I go to go and visit a brewery and take pictures of the brewery. So number one, they have to have a story because that's the only way it's going to make it at least easier for me to be able to tell that story mm-hmm. with my pictures. Number two, they have to have good beer. Mm-hmm. Number three, they have to be good people. Like, I don't care how much of a good beer you think you make, but if you're a piece of shit human and you treat people wrong, then I'm not interested. I'm out. Uh, and then, you know, they have to be involved in some sort of, like, with their community. Because at the end of the day, that's something that we have lost here in the United States with, with all these breweries around. It's community, that sense of community. At the end of the day, when you go back in time, every little town in Germany, in Belgium, and in the, you know, Eastern European uh, countries, they had a small brewery in their town, in their village. And that was the brewery, you will go there just, know to meet up with your friends and talk shit talk about sports right. talk about politics talk about whatever vent because yes. bartenders are also therapists so right. you vent all your shit out but that was it it was a sense of community and then you will go back home go back to your home and do your thing and we have lost that a little bit here because now everybody's about selling and again I understand it's a business and you know you have to do what you need to do but we have we have lost a little bit that sense of community where people go and get to Together. Mm, And you know, just have a beer or two. And again, now you see all these people making all these like imperial pastry and marshmallow styles that are fifteen percent. How many of those can you drink and then leave there and function? (laughs) Not very much. So when you see (laughs) when you see that kind of culture in places like England, for example, the pop culture. All those beers that you drink, there are like 4%. Or, yeah, yeah. Three and a half, four, 5%. You can have three, four, five, and you live with a little, you know, a little buzz, but you still can function. And you go back home and it you go on, on your, your day. Belly. That's it. It's just a belly yeah. sitter, but it don't make you. Out but here. but yeah, nowadays, you go into a brewery here and you have a, a tap room with 20 lines and they have all IPAs, triple IPAs, nine, 10%. Like, I don't drink IPAs. I never liked them. Oh, so it's always for me a problem when I walk into a brewery and I see the 20 draft lines, all IPAs. All right, I'm out. Yeah, because have a good day. There's nothing hey, that I can drink.
3: If I, I want to go into a brewery and it's, it's all IPAs, I'm out too. Like, I don't want all IPAs. Like, I'll yeah. drink, I'll try one, but like, even
1: oh, even do. the IPA even the IPA fans should be disappointed.
3: Yeah, yeah, to me too. Like I everybody
1: too. should be disappointed in that to situation. situation. Yeah. But Miguel, when you do, so when you're finding these
3: places, what you're, you're doing research on them first before you go? Because I'm trying to figure out how you know somebody a shitty person before you get there. <laughs> how do I do what? How you know somebody's a shitty person before you get there? <laughs>
4: well again you know back in the day when i was starting i didn't know much of people so yeah i was just like doing research sending out emails out of the blue and then people will respond and now after 10 years i like i said i've created a network so usually Mm -hmm. i don't know if you find this to be also true but when you you try to look for people who have things in common with you, right? So if you consider yourself a good person, you're going to also get together with people who are kind of like you, and then they're going to refer you to also people. So I I don't think Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say it has been perfect, but (laughs) for the most part, it's been like, smooth sailing that I have met a lot of like great people in the industry and they have all been like recommended by, Oh, this, you know, this guy came here. And again, after 10 years I have become friends with a lot of these people like friends that if I go to this place, I stayed at their house. And you know, we have that for me has been also the most important part, not only about going to the place and visiting and taking pictures for me has been more about cultivating those relationships. That's sure. the, that's the hard part. Cause I could just go to a brewery, take pictures, and then I'm out and I leave. They don't hear from me again. That's fine. Anybody can do that. But for me, the hard part has been cultivating those relationships. Mm-hmm. And again, like everything else, every any relationship in life, with some people you click, with some people you don't. With True. the people you don't, that's fine. You go your own way and that's it. Life goes on. But with the people that I have clicked and we have had things in common, I have made it a point to nurture those relationships. And after so many years, and again, you become friends. Like a lot of these people, not all, but a lot of them, do we have become friends? Yeah. Like I know their wives, I know their anniversary. And I'm going to tell you a funny story. One time I sent one of these friends a text message in the morning. It's like, hey, man, happy anniversary. It's like, dude, I totally forgot about it. You Whoa. saved my ass. I have to go invite Whoa. her some flowers <laughs> and some shit.
2: <laughs> Oh man. So, that's
4: man. funny that's funny no
3: that's, no, that's not that's horrible <laughs> hey man
4: it can happen you know you can just yeah. have things in your mind and you, you forget yeah. you're gonna get a, you got a you're gonna get season. a whoop ass when you get right, home yeah. but, but. and look he
1: didn't because of Miguel he did definitely have flowers and something else ready for his uh, significant other that's what's up
0: Miguel what see I mean like now you were you kind know, of you kind of walked it through how, how you kind of discovered uh, the storytelling and photography and stuff like that. But when did when did you come to it? Was there a particular specific shoot or something that said, "Hey, I want to do this uh, all the time"? Like, like there pictures, are particular moments I, I, I want to tell the story behind the scenes of the, the brewery? Is There like one particular brewery that you were at and you were shooting. And you were like you know what this is. This, these are stories I want to tell, like when did you really decide that this is what you want to just start the bear uh the bear trekker project
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay so um again, I grew up in Venezuela, so in Venezuela we had a we didn't have a berry big beer culture we had like uh, a couple of industrial beers like the budweiser Mm. from here usually like lagers industrial lagers Mm. so that's what i grew up uh grew up when i was of age of drinking uh trying you know that one beer so that's all i knew about beers Mm. and but i remember when i was 15 around 15 uh, I went on a trip with my grandfather, and we went out to out to the country to visit some family. my My families are from from not the capital, but out in the country and other other smaller cities. So we went out there because so he had some business to to attend with other relatives. And I remember one one afternoon we were in this farm. they were all playing domino, and I wasn't i was just like you know hanging around the farm and they were all drinking this beer this blonde pilsner and there was like a a cooler so i opened the cooler and i saw a bunch of black cans in the bottom that nobody was touching so i grabbed one and i read it and it said bach Hmm. like the german style bach and i look at it and i asked people why is anybody drinking this? And it's like, oh, that's shitty. Nobody, nobody likes that. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to grab one. <laughs> and I asked my grandfather, can I have one? And he, and he just took them. He's like, yeah, go ahead. So I grabbed one. I was advanced for my time. So I open it and I grab a plastic cup and I poured it. And when I started pouring, I saw that it was coming all black. And i was like what is this and in venezuela we also have another drink that is not beer but it's made with like uh the wort. it's called malta i don't know if you try that malta yes. Mm-hmm. yes yes which is very sweet <clears throat> so that when i saw that that's immediately where i thought oh this is malta and i tried it and it was not my <laughs> and it, and it had alcohol but you had you know that style of beer is like roasted malt so it's it was had this very like coffee notes and chocolate and very like charred malt and i'm not going to say i loved it but for me it was like oh this is and this is beer so I saw that, okay, deer is not only blonde. It's not only like oh, yeah. this fizzy yellow thing. So, okay, so that mm-hmm. stayed in my head. Years later, when I left Venezuela and I moved back to, to the United States, that was in 95, I was 20, and I moved to Boston. Mm-hmm. And in Boston, I had just arrived there and I had a cousin who lived in, uh, in Vermont. So it was around the holidays. It was around this time, Thanksgiving, that I moved back here. And Christmas was coming. And since I had just come back from Venezuela, I was not going back for Christmas. So it was either staying in Boston by myself or my cousin said, hey, why don't you come up here, spend Christmas with us. And I was like, all right, fuck it. So I drove up there. And one afternoon I was in her house. And her boyfriend at the time, he was going to school for chef. He was studying culinary institute over there. And he came home with a pack of beer, a six pack of beer, and he said, "Hey, let's try this beer." So these are those, some guys that go to school with me. They just opened a brewery, Magic Hat.
0: Ah, about
4: that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So wow. they had just opened the brewery. So he brought this pack of beers, and it was—I uh, remember clearly—it was uh, English style IPA. Mm. I didn't know what the fuck that was because, again, yeah. I grew up. Right. I just had come from Venezuela, and I only knew one beer, two. And as soon as I opened that bottle and all those aromas of the hops started coming in, I was like, Whoa, what is this? And the first mm. swig I took, I was like, Whoa, wh- what is this? What is happening right now? So that was like my first experience with a craft beer or a different style of beer. So after that, I moved to Miami and in Miami, back in the day, there was no beers. So if you wanted to drink anything, Exotic. You will have Heineken, Corona, Presidente. That was like, and this is like twenty years ago. This was nineteen ninety six. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, thirty years ago. So I moved to New York in two thousand and two, and one of my younger brothers, he used to work at a French uh, restaurant here in New York. And he was telling me about all the, even before I moved here, he was telling me about all these beers that he had in his bar. They were from Belgium and they were made by monks in a monastery. And I said, what? I never heard of that. So as soon as I got to New York and I went to visit him at his, as his restaurant, I said, all right, let's try these fucking beers from from the monks. And the first beer he gave me to try was, uh, I was game over for me, (laughs) uh, I don't know you know that beer no No. y'all know that beer so these these type of beers are called trappist beers trappist beers are the beers that are made in the monasteries there's Mm -hmm. i think today there's still 13 monasteries in the world that makes these beers six of those are in belgium so it's just a beer made by monks or at least that's, that was the, that was the the, the nice story, um, and they have to be made within the confinements of the monastery to be able to have that Trappist uh, seal. Uh, they don't they don't make money out of these beers. I mean, they sell it, of course, but it's not for profit. So all the money that they get, at least those are the requirements to get the seal. So all the money that you get is to fix anything that needs to be, you know, pay the bills, get whatever. Uh, things that you need at the monastery and then mm. any residual it has, it goes to charities mm. so those are some of the things that, that is uh you need Miguel,
1: can i ask you a question, I, I yes, you a question. Is, is there so trappist beer is always
4: made by monks in one of those 13 monasteries so back in the day yes but again okay. it's been happening for a long time so a lot of these monks have died Um and no new monks want to make beer anymore, so they have to hire a brewer. But they're still inside a monastery, so they're still monks.
1: But if all the monks make beer if you buy a Trappist beer, it's from out of a mon it comes from out of a monastery,
4: it was or it's supposed to be. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh and and you will see the the it has a seal like Trappist. Mm -hmm. So are very famous ones. There's one called Shimei. Yeah, I don't know if you heard of that one. So Chimay, yes. mm-hmm. Orval, uh, Rochefort. Uh, there was one that at some point it was called the most the best beer in the world. It was called Bletter and Westy Twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all these beers and they're pretty heavy beers. Usually they are like quadruples, so they're like 11 12 percent beers. Delicious beers though. So those were the beers that I first tried when I got to New York. So I tried the Orval and then I tried all the, the all the other traffic that he had there. And for me, that was a game changer. I was like, wow, this is amazing. These beers are delicious. I love them. So for 10 years here in New York, I started trying any beer from Belgium that I could get my hands on. I was educating my palate, learning about all these beers, just tasting, tasting, tasting. Fast forward 10 years, 11 years, I decided I want to go to Belgium and I want to go visit this monasteries where they make this beer. So in 2013, I went to Belgium for a week. I rented a car and I visited all six of the Trappist monasteries in Belgium. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a tourist, so I couldn't get in. So, but I still drove to all the monasteries and on the outside, I just took pictures for the most part these monasteries because, you know, they have to sell the beer. So usually across the street from the monastery, they have either a shop or a bar where they sell the beers. Mm -hmm. You can drink them there. I had tried most of them here already with my brother, but it was still fun to drink them there. Absolutely. Uh, And then while I was there, I I said, well, what the fuck? Oh, this also happened while I was there. I was posting some pictures uh, on my personal Instagram account. And we're talking about the early days of Instagram. I was posting all these pictures in my personal feed. And after a couple of days, I started getting messages from family members and friends like, Hey man, is everything Okay. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm in Belgium and drinking beer. Said, yeah, exactly. Like all the pictures that you're posting are beers and stuff. Are you okay? Do you have an alcohol problem? And I was like, you know what? Fuck all of you. Like I don't need to be giving explanations of what am I doing with my life. See, I'm so I created this account uh, The Beer Tracker And it's implicit in the name So right. if you're going to follow This is all you're going to see And all you're going right, right, to get right, so. Right.
1: Miguel, so uh, did, the, he did the beer Because of his family
3: right? right. you <laughs> Did the beer taste different from when you had them um,
4: Here versus when yeah. you had them um, In Belgium Um, I'm going to say no realistically but i'm also going to say yes because maybe it's a thing it's just in your head you know right Uh, and also how the the beer travels you know remember that all these beers have to come from over there they come by ship and you know you don't know what conditions they get here so having them fresh over there is definitely different but you will only notice that is if you have trained your palate right of you know having drinking these beers and understanding the beers Mm -hmm. so five years later after that first trip in 2018 i did a trip back to i wanted to go back where it all started to belgium to celebrate my fifth anniversary but i said you know what if i'm gonna go back i don't want to go back just for a week again so i really planned this trip and i went for almost seven weeks and they visited eleven countries. Man,
3: Europe. you live there. You're you're a resident at that at that moment. <laughs> Absolutely. So I on that, that
4: trip to Belgium, I was invited to Orval and Chimay and one of the other trappists in the Netherlands. I was invited right. inside the monastery to go and take pictures, and that was that was yeah, amazing man. to be able to take I pictures in there. But it was also heartbreaking because there was no fucking monks making beers. Uh, so all this uh, beautiful story. Yeah. picture that i had in my head i was like where are the monks <laughs> oh they're praying like they're not, praying not, in the monastery it. no monks brewing at all no but again wow. we're talking 50 60 years later so yeah, again yeah maybe the What'd monk think- who was making the beers he died he retired something actually right. the the brewmaster of Chimay that i met him he was a, a french guy and i asked him and he said I'm retiring next year. And I say, okay, how long have you been here? Forty-six years. Oh man. Oh. Forty-six years he was the one making the beers there at. And, and, and he's he not, not a monk. monk. And he's he not wasn't monk. even
1: a monk. Wow.
4: Well, but I,
1: I feel I feel like they it was so much I don't know, it just it feels like it was so much investment in beer making and how it made it helped them keep their monastery running. That they would have just yeah, made you, some, made another monk say, "Hey, you're going, you're going to do this."
4: But you have to understand that again, they've been doing this for a long time. Like the yeah. culture in Belgium and Germany, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of years. So yeah. you can and understand why, that, that maybe. That's why I would think
1: the traditions was, was yeah, how you, yeah. How do you stick? Yeah, how do you stick? Like, like right? what monk said no? Like right. what generation of the monks said no? Did they make it to know. heaven? Did they get to
4: heaven? <laughs> like not beer.
1: They didn't get the beer heaven. I know that. I know they ain't, they make, will, they ain't drinking
4: beer in the All heaven. the they monks still to. drink the beer. They just that's don't want to make it because it's I a lot of. Uh, I don't know if you have been to a brewery, but it's still a lot of yeah, fucking work working of- in I, a brewery. I
1: do, I do. But but when I think about monks, I think about kung fu and praying. And I, like, if that's all they you do, they do the praying. I don't know about the kung fu, maybe. but uh, they it, do it the praying. On, it depends on the region. It all depends on the region. Some of them kung fu. But uh, I figure you got some time. You, you definitely have some time to, to do something else. No, that they, they wanted to. No. They wanted to free up their time to do. Well, maybe you don't. They wanted to do more. Yeah, out. maybe. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, it was, absolutely. It
4: was, it was like we, They wow. asked me if I wanted to stay one night or a couple of nights. I said no, because <laughs> you're not going to stay there for. You're not going there on vacation. Like you're going to do the same shit right, that they do. Right. You yeah, have to yeah, wake yeah, up yeah. every day at three thirty. That's when praying starts, mm-hmm. and then they do like seven prayers during the day. And I was like, yeah. No. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where's the brew section? Can I get to the brewery <laughs> section? I'd rather brew the beer. <laughs> that that they took me, and I went, and they have all state-of-the-art, especially like those big ones, like Chimay, Orban, they have all like state-of-the-art equipment, right. because they are producing a lot of beer, and they are selling it worldwide. So yeah, they have a pretty big infrastructure. There was one trap.
1: Are they still non-profit? Are they still, everything goes back into just fixing the monastery? Yeah. Or, 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 so the that's, brewers that, get, that's uh, that's a
4: requirement. Do those want to have get paid? That, Do those brewers uh, They're not monks. Will they get? Paid? I'm sure they do. Yeah. Well, well, yeah sure they, they, okay. they, and that's that's, that's, part sure, sure. Okay. that's part of expenses. So part of yeah, exactly. That's that's an expense. Paying somebody. That's part of it. Makes expense, sense. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. That's okay. probably
3: he, why they don't do it anymore. Because the brewer, when it's a monk, probably don't get that money. <laughs>
1: But Maybe. they you can keep it all in house. Like now, they losing yeah, money. But, like, they losing but,
4: money now. But that's the thing. Is no, like, they cover everything. They need to pay any expenses. is covered. But any excess, it goes out to the charities the and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, so now yeah, there now was, that extra uh, expense
4: goes to the brewers, and then to the charities. Man, there yeah. was a Trappist brewery here in the United States. Yeah, it was oh, in Massachusetts, yeah. and really? they just really? and they just closed. Yeah. Oh man. Do they
1: have any monks at the monastery?
4: They had. They had. Oh, but They're not, um, they not making beer either. Are there I, any monks that, that making beer the, in the world? That was one of the places I didn't get to visit, though. But I remember that when they were building it or constructing the brewery, because the monastery was already there. But the brewing part, mm-hmm. they actually brought the folks from Chimay to come in and kind of like oversee and kind of yeah, like yeah. do all yeah. the consulting part. Uh, to build there, it like that, but I think it was you know last any year. in the world that are making beer left. Are there any? Uh, I met one. I met one in the Netherlands. It's called La Trap uh and it was funny because again i'm getting all this tour and, crazy. and and i'm and i'm what and i'm seeing no 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 monks and then i see a monk walking out of a building and going <laughs> walking somewhere it's like ah, i want to talk to that guy like yeah, this the first right. monk i, I want to <laughs> talk to him and the guy who was giving me monk. the tour it was like the sales guy and he's like oh yeah let's go and talk to him he's oh, he's actually pretty cool uh, so we, we follow him and he went into the shop So the the monastery has like a little shop Where they sell all the beers and all the You know, all the stuff, t-shirts And all that And so I started talking to the guy He introduced me And at this time I used to have My beard used to be much longer Like down to almost my belly wow, yeah, really like Long yeah. ass beard <laughs> Yeah, CC top <laughs> kind of thing And I had that I, It was that that long back then So As soon as I walk in, the monk, this is very like clean cut, dude, white, white hair, very tall. And he's just looking at me the whole time. He's looking at my beard and we're talking. And then he asked me, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from the United States. Donald Trump. I'm like, uh, Uh, sure. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, this motherfucker has a really twisted sense of humor. And he started laughing and then we keep talking. And at some point I asked him, so do you make beers? And he said, well, when I was a young boy, I used to make beers, but uh, I'm tired and I have no more patience for that. I'm like, okay. So he was making beer. I don't know if he was making beer there at the monastery, but he was, he told me he was making beer. And then I asked him, can I take a picture of you? Because I want to get a picture of him. And he said, you'll take a picture if you're with me. I'm like, no, I'm the photographer. So I'm usually behind the lens. So I'm no. And he's like, okay, then no picture. Uh, I'm like, okay, so you want a picture and I have to be right. Can I take a picture with you? And then I take a picture of you. Okay. So I gave my camera to, to my friend who was giving me the tour and I'm standing next to this dude And he's just looking at my beer and then he leans over and he's like, Do you mind if I touch your beer? I'm like, Okay. And he just grabbed the beer and started pulling it. And my friend's taking all these pictures. So I have all these pictures and I'm just cracking up and the guy just pulling. And then I'm glad he he asked you for your permission first. That's that was (laughs) And then and then he said, and then he (laughs) says, um, Do you wanna be a monk? I'm like, no, I'm good. He said, you look like a monk, like you have no hair, you have the beard. We need young people like you. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. But thank you. Thank you for asking. He recruited he like,
1: you. He recruited you. He saw something yeah. in you, Miguel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that man has talent. That man That man has a talent. I see it. I see it.
3: Wow. That was, that was a like, fun yo, day. Cause it's probably a bunch
1: of younger people that don't want to. Be involved, yeah. So yeah. H- hence, hence like less that. less monks brewing because burn, it's not burn, enough to even want to want to actually be monks. Yeah,
4: because even though it, cause uh, it's, uh, it's a commitment, you know, they have very Absolutely. it's less very yeah, it's a very it's a specific lot of type of life, minutes. very secluded. Like they don't have right. a lot of contact right. with the outside world. They're inside. They have, you have to be like a hermit kind of thing. You know, like yeah, yeah. they pray seven times a day. They go eat. There's a lot of downtime. <laughs> So it's not it's not a way of life for everybody. Yeah. You, know, you have to have a very specific type of personality, I guess. Yeah. And then with like with like social media,
1: you are seeing what like all the devastation in the outside world. So like as a young man, would you think your prayers are gonna help? Whereas back in the day without social media, you're like, Oh, my prayers are gonna help this world. Like Gandhi did it the right way. Let me do what he's doing. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. No, I'm
3: I'm Gandhi's, Gandhi's the most famous monk, huh? Is, is he a monk? monk? I don't monk? even know. I just, I just take down I, 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 yeah,
1: I thought he was. I just threw that out there. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm
0: curious to know, like uh oh, you, you said you said um you want to go to like Africa and do pictures like that. Besides Africa, uh, is there another place that has beer culture that you want you have not gotten to that you want to explore as well?
1: Or well, where specifically in Africa too, because they got a lot of countries there. It's not just one place.
4: Um uh, Well, for me just culturally because i have met a lot of people from there and i have a lot of very good friends from there like i said western africa all that part like um senegal mali uh, the ivory coast um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all that area but you know anywhere that I that I go I will be there's a beer competition that's getting a lot of, of reputation now it's in South Africa though uh but it's a beer big beer competition there's I think it's the only one and they only work with african breweries so it's very like local yeah um I'm also a judge, so when I travel, I sometimes go to beer competitions. Uh, so this last year, I wasn't invited, but that's that's a, a competition that I would like to go just to Absolutely. to ex to have the experience and then you know, while I'm there just just travel but it's a big ass continent it's just moving from <laughs> all the way in South Africa all the way to the north that's a, that's yeah. a long ass trip I just that's saw more, that in Brazil seven weeks that would be more than seven weeks yeah in yeah. in Brazil so. alone uh it's just a country but it's so big it's almost as big as the united states and you don't realize that like you see it in the map you're like oh yeah that shit's big but you don't realize how big it is until you're there Mm -hmm. i was there and just traveling from and it will look very short or close distances but i i do a lot i did a lot of like bus and I went from Rio to Sao Paulo, which is some of two of the big uh, cities. Mm-hmm. It was like 10 hours, 11 hours by bus. Mm. <laughs> and that's just one way. So right. you spend a lot of time on, you know, on on the road, just just. Mm-hmm. Doing, doing the travel and, and I didn't get even to scratch the surface. I went to like three of the big mm-hmm. cities, but there's in every region that you go is different. Like you go from Rio to Sao Paulo, completely different. Then you go to the center, Belo Horizonte, which I also went, completely different. But then they have the Amazons, which is like in the jungle, all the way in the north, or you go all the way to the south, and it's completely different. So it's, uh, that was a pretty, eye opening experience That was the country that I always wanted to go And just having the experience to go there And It was amazing just to So you're asking what other places like Brazil Yeah Uh, If if I had to write something about them It would be they are the sleeping giants Mm. And when those motherfuckers wake up It's going to (laughs) be game over It's going to be game over Because there is so much stuff Happening over there In terms of like the quality is there the passion is there wow. and they have everything. They have everything that they can make it work like local fruits and local ingredients. Right. Um, so it was, it was very exciting. But again, every place that I've been, there's a, a magical place that I have found like in Colombia, for example, I was in Colombia. I've been to Colombia like five times now and last year or the year before I went down there and I went to Medellin for the first time. And I met, uh, I have a friend, several friends who have breweries, and they took me because, you know, they take me to some unique places. Let's call it that. (laughs) Some unique places. Why
3: why are we calling them unique?
4: Well, no, because I could say special, but that could be very, you know. Uh, Let's let's just say unique. Yeah, unique. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this place is... um, is the hood. It is the actual hood. Right. And it's called La Comuna 13. And La Comuna 13 is one of the biggest uh, but when I'm saying hood, I don't think here in the United States we understand that. Because right, right, if right. I say hood to you, that's going to be a very specific thing. Right, so right. have you heard of like shanty towns? Yes. In mm-hmm. all these yeah. countries like oh, favelas oh, and all oh, that. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So yes. that kind of hood. That's what they yeah. drove. What
1: they drove through in Bad Boys Two or Three, whatever that was. <laughs> yes, yeah, they drove something like hood, that. But down, that was yeah. Hollywood.
4: So this is the <laughs> real shit. <laughs> right, right. right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, but this place. Back in the day, like in the '80s, this used to be one of the most dangerous hoods in the world because that's where all the people from the um, from the cartels were hiding. Mm. These were just like hideouts. So this specific place in Medellin called La Comuna 13 there was like a let's call a spade a spade. It was like a genocide that happened there mm. during uh, the the Bush era. He got in with the, the president of the time in Colombia. And he just said, I'm going to give you military. I'm going to give you weapons. I'm going to give you the airplanes, the helicopters, and we're just going to bomb the shit out of this place to get all those motherfuckers out. But by doing that, was collateral so they killed a lot of innocent people that were just living there they just happened to be living there so a lot of people died and there's still you can see this this was like over 30 years ago and that's still shit it's still there like you can see it and I went to this place with my friend so the people there they just said well you know what we're not going to keep like dwelling over this shit 30 years later. Like we're never going to evolve if we continue doing this. So, all right, let's, let's do what we need to do. So they converted that place is one of the most touristic places now in the world. Mm. So yeah. all the Instagram people who want to do their Got fucking it. Instagrams and their reels, yeah. they go there. Yeah. So they're capitalizing on that. So they do tours. Some people say it's morally wrong well it's not like nobody's exploiting them the people who are giving the tours they live there so right. they're getting money inside yeah. the community they're getting money yeah. in they have all the artists there so they have some of the most amazing graffitis the whole place is full of graffiti so they have local artists that can go and do that people go take their pictures but then they go to the gallery and they buy a postcard or they buy uh, right. uh um, you know uh a picture of, of the graffitis. And so they're leaving some money in there. they have restaurants where people can eat. So, you know, you're getting some local money for the locals as well. And the guy that I went to, he has like a school there. So he also teaches the, the young kids. But the amazing part for me was that at the top of the hill, there's like this little bar and is run by all these young guys that used to be in the guerrilla in the cartels that they just left and they didn't want that kind of life anymore so what are you gonna do all these people that that's all they did in their life kill people kidnap people where are they gonna go and find a job like put in your resume what did you do before oh I used to kill people okay you're not hired so (laughs) how do you insert those guys back into society right so it's a big fucking problem You know, they did, yeah, unspeakable things, horrible things. But some of them, they had no other choice. I'm not saying that it's the right thing, but some of these people had no choice. It's either do that or we kill your family. You know, it's that kind of of thing that you have no other choice. But they got a second chance in life, and now they want to leave that kind of life, right? But how do you reinsert them again? So there's like a a program there where they're starting to teach all these guys skills and labor so they can go and you know Mm. be mechanics or this and one of the skills they're teaching them is to make beers Mm. so there's a couple of breweries that is owned by all these ex paramilitary guys ex cartel guys that they are making beers. So they have this bar on the top of the mountain and we went up there and I try the beers and yeah, it's not the best beer in the world, but it's fucking good. But the, the whole story of the guys that they're, trying to do this from all the younger guys who want to leave that mm-hmm. and they have nowhere else to go. They kind of bring them in. All right, well you're going to start here like, you know, washing the kegs and all this day, and we're going to teach you how to do things. So then later you can either do your own business or you can go and work somewhere. Uh, mm-hmm. so I thought that that was a pretty cool initiative, yeah. uh, that they have. And, and they again, the people serious. were so, so, Real. real, you know that like that's real life shit that you're you're seeing there, and because we went with a guy who's local there, we got to go inside the houses of some of these families, uh, and a lot of them they don't want to talk about it because why would you want to talk about these atrocities that happen, but some of them are very open and you can see it like you can walk be walking on the street and. This, the, the, the wall was untouched, but you can still see the fucking big holes like this of the bullets and things like that. It's just like a reminder for them to never let that happen again. Right.
0: Do you, have yeah. any, do you have any choice to say anything else except the beer is good? I think you have to say the beer is good, right? That's why
4: <laughs> No, they they ask you and they want they want your honest opinion because that's another thing that I feel that yeah, they're reformed. They're reformed. Rob. They're reformed. Uh-huh. <laughs> not in the Oh, no, they were they were, the were super opinion. super cool and yeah. You know when they saw me with my camera, they will ask, "Oh, can you take pictures of us?" And you know they get all like very happy and pulsing yeah. and doing shits and. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun, but to me, it was very eye-opening to see right. because these are the kind of places that you usually don't hear about. Right, right. That's not never on your itinerary. Oh, let's go to the hood for tourism. Like that's right. not something that's on your list. All right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's
0: true. Yeah, well, say said that, there's a story. That you told that story, and um, people now, be like, hey, I'm gonna check that out when I go to Colombia, or because uh, you said Medellin. Med- 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 that's where it's at, correct? Medellin.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. All, right. All right. Huh. Uh, learn
3: Columbia. I mean, Colombia just sounds scary to me, period, because
4: all the stuff that you just... <laughs> nah, <laughs> man, it's uh, Latin America, I'm telling you. It's, um, it's a beautiful place to go. It's like everything, yeah, you have to be, you have to use common sense. For me, like this time that I went to Brazil, I have family in Brazil. And they were all like, oh, be careful, don't do this, don't do that. I'm like... Okay, I understand, but I grew up in Venezuela, right? So I know what, what happens. Right. Um, and you just have to have common sense. That's that. Bottom line is that common sense. Like, you're not going to go and get into the most dangerous motherfucking hood just to go and go and take some pictures and do some reels because, right. no, you're going to get your ass whooped. That's just how it's going to be. I mean, I so guess that's the same
3: thing in the States, too, so... Yeah Absolutely
4: But at the end of the day I think it's also about Your energy Right And you're going to places Like I was going to All this place over there And I didn't have a problem And I was just having fun And Learning About All the places that I was going Everything that I was seeing Like they have Ubers there But with uh, Motorcycles That was one of the most scariest shit I did, (laughs) especially in Rio because it's faster and you get from point A to point B super fast. But those motherfuckers, the laws of um, driving rules, they do not apply to them. Right. So you are just in the back of a motorcycle with the guy. They give you a helmet though. So security. So you get your helmet and you just ride in the back and they go in between cars. There is just like, no, nothing like the, the the red light that does not exist and so then they just go if if, the, if if there's too much traffic they go on the sidewalk and then they jump back into the street then when we were going into the highways i was just like i asked the guy i'm going to hug you um, you know don't I'm, I'm not gay or anything don't don't worry but i'm going to hug you so i was just like grabbing the guy and just like this and just Counting. Like, like make this shit fast. Make right, this shit fast. Right, right.
2: <laughs>
4: but it was uh, it was a trip. And I remember uh, one of those uh, one of those trips, I was like doing some video and I put it on my reels. My aunt saw it the next day. It's like, are you crazy? How the fuck did you get in those motorcycles? I was like, it was fun. I thought I was going to die like 10 times, but it was fun. I did it. I'm not going to do it again. But it was an experience. It was was a good It was an experience. Yeah. Now, I'm curious,
0: as I guess through the Beer Trekker, has there been one. Experience or something that was more eye-opening that you didn't even, that you didn't even expect or, or know as 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 your journey has been going on in the, in these places. There's one place. Is there one thing that really stood out? Like wow, I I had no idea that this was even something.
4: Well, that experience in Colombia was was eye-opening for sure. Uh, I only been to Asia one time. I went to China to Beijing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was also very interesting just to see how how different uh, life is Mm. compared because here in the united states again we have it's not a perfect country by any stretch but we are i want to say we are used to certain luxuries that a lot of the world don't have and sometimes we take for granted here Uh, Mm. so when you go to these countries where they have literally nothing and you see like oh shit like i don't have it that bad actually i don't have it bad at all right so seeing those things are at least for me it, it makes you appreciate a lot more the very little things that most of the time we take for granted and and another thing that i found very interesting and i learned this when i was at the record label is that at least at that time for me was music and I learned this a lot with, uh, with, with the African musicians because a lot of the, I speak French a little bit because my ex partner, she's French and we were together for 11 years. My two daughters speak fluent French. So I kind of understand French. So when a lot of these countries in Africa, some of them, they speak French. That's the other language. But when they were speaking in like their local dialects, I didn't understand, but there was a thing with music that you don't need words. You just feel it. Right and and one of the the musicians that we became friends is from mali he said music is the universal language you don't need to understand the lyrics you just need to feel it and and i learned that because on the first show that i went to see them they were doing a, a tour here in the united states it was called acoustic africa and it was four musicians it was uh, habib from from mali there was this lady from senegal another musician from South Africa and there was another one i can't remember right now so the four of them were together from different parts of africa but they were together doing this tour and touring the us and the first show i went to see them here and they played at bb kings in uh around times square mm-hmm. And I was taking pictures, you know, walking around, taking pictures. And at some point I just I said, you know what? I'm missing the whole concert because I'm walking around taking pictures. So I'm just going to put the camera down. just going to sit. So I just lay, leaned back against the wall. I was just like crouching there. I'm looking and just listening to the melody of this music. And at some point I just started bawling. I just started crying for no reason. You started crying and I started looking around and my partner, my ex partner, she was there. She was looking at me. She was asking me, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I I don't know what's happening. And at the end, she asked me like, why, what was wrong? Was something wrong? No, there was nothing wrong. I I don't know. Emotion. There was so much emotions, that I don't I don't know what came up to me, but th- that's what happened. That was my reaction, and it was because of the music. The that was it, just the music. I couldn't understand the lyrics, but I could feel the music.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And years later, that uh, Habib came back to to New York, and he was playing in Prospect Park, and one of my. My ex-partner, her sister was here. She was uh, in in New York for vacation and she came with another friend of hers, French too. And she was a photographer. So I said, oh, uh, Habib's gonna be playing in Prospect Park. You should definitely, we should all go. This is an amazing concert. And you as a photographer, you're gonna have a lot of fun because these musicians are very lively and they're amazing to taking pictures. So we go and she was taking pictures. And at some point I was getting in between the rows. i like to get in between the rows and just crouch and take pictures from there to get a, a different point. And at some point I, I found her on the in the crowd and she was doing the same thing. She was like kind of crouching, taking the picture. And I'm looking at her with my lens. She puts the camera down. She did the exact same, same thing that happened oh. to me some years before she could understand a lot of the lyrics because she's French. So she could understand the French, but the other ones, I don't know, probably she didn't understand either, but she put the camera down and she started bawling. I started mm-hmm. taking pictures of her. And then at the end of the night, when we went back home, I'm editing my pictures on the computer. And I call her and say, Hey, come here. I want to show you something. And she came and I show her one of the pictures. And she was like, Oh my God, how do you do that? Like, how did you see me? I was like, well, I was also taking pictures. I saw you, but I want to ask you, what happened to you there? Like what, what was happening to you right there? And she said, I I, I can't explain it. It's something I can't explain. I said, but you understood the lyrics. And I said, yeah, I understood when he was singing in French, but he was speaking in his dialect. I didn't. And I said, and I don't know. I don't know what happened. I just, it was a, a feeling. I just started crying and I told her that same shit happened to me a couple of years ago here in New York. So I just wanted to, um, confirmed that I was not crazy. Right. That this shit happens, <laughs> and it happened to you. So okay, good. And that to me, that was like very powerful. Just yeah. something yeah, that right. you don't you don't have to necessarily understand it, but you can feel it.
1: You could feel it, definitely
4: for sure. Yeah, you know what's funny is that
3: I went to the World Culture uh, Festival in DC, and that's how it was there. It's like I didn't understand nothing, none of the the, the music they was playing because it was like from all over the world. And um, but you can definitely feel it. And once you see the people that know what they're saying, that actually knows what's going on, it's like damn, they feel it. It feeling it. like, mm-hmm. and it makes you like feel all crazy inside. So it's like. I, I get that. I
4: get that. That, that can happen. You know, it's when you, when you're hearing a, a beat or a tune that you just want to start dancing. Yeah. Not yeah. necessarily. You're not paying attention to, to yeah. the lyrics or what right, they're yeah. saying. You just like, just feel it. You just want to makes you want to move. Same that's way. Cool. You can touch something that it will make you cry. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's true.
0: That's, that's uh, interesting. Now, but before we let, let you go, I'm curious to know, uh, Uh, How many countries have you been? Have you? I was going
3: to ask that. (laughs) Uh, Um,
4: That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I want to say over 20. 20. (laughs) I haven't counted them, but I'm going to say over 20. Over uh, 20. Probably more. (laughs) Uh-huh. When you stop counting, that's a lot, <laughs> right? Well, if if you come to see, the world is pretty big, right? We think it's pretty big, but there's only I think it's like 190 countries. Yeah, in, like in in the scheme of everything, that's not a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 There was this. Uh, I don't know if you, if you saw the. This was news recently. There was this lady. She lives in the United States now, but I think she's from Asia, and she just uh finished visiting the last country. She visited every single country in the world. She's like seventy, almost eighty years old. Mm, and uh, awesome. she just finished her her last country. I think she went to Croatia, was the last country. Uh and they did like a whole big thing over there, like a party or something for her. Because she's been traveling for a long time and she, yeah, yeah it's just what she no, I saw I, an interview it, of her Croatia being the
1: last one seems weird since it's so landlocked like I feel like I just, Croatia. well whatever, whatever I mean, it
0: means it, it might have been more because a lot of times you gotta wait till because sometimes like there might be some a, unrest going no, on so you right, right ah, yeah. yeah yeah the yeah, civil yeah. unrest
4: the civil unrest always keep you out of a country right, civil right. unrest yeah, that's dangerous yeah oh, and also you know traveling that, that costs money so you know sometimes you have to like plan for it and sometimes when you, you have things going on in your then. life, so are trying but. to go for longer than seven weeks. Yeah, So <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: we well, you mm-hmm. traveling and spending months in you know? <laughs> uh,
1: taking eleven get, hour bus. eleven hour bus trips within the country, that's, <laughs>
3: that's, yeah, yeah, that's I get. Shout I get out get to Miguel good. for that. I can't. Mm-hmm. The
4: good thing about your So who? to ask you to ask you a question, we're talking about traveling. What has been the the favorite place that you have traveled to that question for each one of you for beer or just in general in general
3: my favorite place is jamaica this is is the reason that's the reason i've been back like three or four times so
4: my That's a spot. place on my list, very high on the list. Haven't been there yet. Oh man, you gotta go. It's beautiful. Yeah, Jamaica's nice.
3: And the people are the people the the, the people aren't as bad as it seems. Like sometimes they make Jamaica seem like they you all think they, aggressive.
1: You think they're bad? I feel like they they are aggressive, but they're fairly I, very I think friendly. They're
3: friendly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they're friendly. I'm just
1: the aggression like, is you always fr- you just gotta get past the aggression. Yeah, like they always mean yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Mine was uh, I went to London and I got to go to Wimbledon on the Fourth of July. That was a really great experience. I got to see Serena and Venus uh, play tennis that day. So that was, uh, nice. that was probably one of my best out-of-country experiences. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know where you went, Rob. Yeah. I know yours. <laughs> exactly. Oh, here you go. <laughs> Bullissimo. <laughs> uh, yeah. Italy was my, Italy was my favorite uh,
0: place outside the country. I think um yeah, Florence was probably sure. my – I like Venice, but nowadays we were just having this conversation. I think Florence probably back in the day – when the when the uh, in, in, in the city canals didn't smell like sewage, it probably was amazing. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, now they kind of waste with that that smell. But, uh, but Florence, <laughs> Florence is probably Florence was probably my my favorite. The Tuscany, the, the Tuscan village, um, um, I guess uh, countryside was nice as well. But I think Italy was one of my uh, my favorite journeys outside of the country. I enjoyed it immensely. The, the yeah. beer culture isn't. Isn't super high. I think it's getting getting there. Like there is some crab crab breweries around. Um, There's some local beers that are, are cool. But I think that was one of my favorite experiences outside of the U.S. for sure.
4: Yeah, that's for sure. Well, you were you were just talking about Italy. I'm just going to share. Uh, story from from you yeah, know there's there's a good uh they have some really good beer culture over there it's not again here we are so used to when we call beer culture here mm. we're so used to of uh, the styles that we're seeing here right now and the styles are acipas and things like that but to understand in and all of y'all have gone to to europe they are, they were making shit when we were still not even a country, so their culture is way 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 more older than our, than ours, right? Yeah. So in Italy, you usually think of Italy for the food and wine and things like that, but they have they have a lot of beers and they have you know some are really really good, some are just okay. But there's uh, I haven't been to that part where you went Rob to tuscany or, or Florence. I haven't gone to that part. I've been more to to Milan
2: okay.
4: and outside of Milan. But there's a brewery there called mm-hmm. Birrificio Italiano. And they're kinda like the OGs in Italy. They're they were mm-hmm. open in nineteen ninety six, so this in two years they're gonna be thirty years old. Just nothing. Right. But for craft beer, they're one of the, so I'm sure you have heard of this style now that is very, uh, is, is getting a lot of traction now, Italian Pilsners, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So they were the originators of that, the Italian Pilsners. So they have a beer called Tipo Pils which is a type of pills that's that's what the name means it's basically a dry hop pilsner so agostino who's the owner he was the first brewer who, who who did that dry hopping a pilsner and that became the italian pilsner so they were here they're very good friends of mine now but they were here this year in june and they got together with a local brewery here in brooklyn called threes which they also make really nice uh, lagers and they did uh, a, a, a homage of of that of that beer of their tipo pills and i just got it um ah, wow. well shoot this yeah, nice. week so it's uh it's, it's 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 this it's the same beer or they change a few things and they mm-hmm. add into to this one they added raw and malted spelt and i had it a few days ago and it was like god damn that beer is so good but i went <laughs> yeah. to visited them and what you were asking me before uh that if the beer tastes the same if i drink it here or at the place i will tell you that having that beer fresh on draft at your place that was a game changer it was like oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very different because it's fresh you know it didn't right. travel all the way here you don't know in what condition so that's an instance where I will say, yeah, it will definitely taste better at the place fresh as it makes sense. That's any beer that you go and you try it fresh at the bar or at the brewery yeah, because, you know, it when it's it traveled should. and it, you don't know how it travels that that can affect the beer you know how you Mm -hmm. store it and the conditions that that they're in if there's too hot or you know it's not in the proper refrigeration so all those little things affect the beer at the end of the day do the normal regular run-of-the-mill consumer will notice it probably not but if you're somebody who know appreciates and know a little bit about the process you will right Right. you will definitely see it Mm -hmm. all right um uh, any more questions for Miguel? Yep, I got two. All right. Um, I have no you- time limit, so I'm just letting yeah. you know. if Y'all want to stay <laughs> this, here for this, this, this,
1: these two questions? Can go for two minutes or can go for two hours? We never. I know. have plenty I like of beer
4: home. and I have a fridge full of beer, so we're, we're good. <laughs> it's Sunday.
1: Why why'd you cut your beer, Miguel? What's up with that? Uh um,
4: <laughs> You want the real answer? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I have two daughters and now they're getting older now, but when they were little, when I started my project, they were very little and my youngest one day, and this was going to say four years ago, four or five years ago, my beer was really long. Right. And one day when I was here in New York, my daughter says, to me that she had never seen my face without a beard, which is oh, true phew. because since she was born, I have always had some sort of a beard, long, right. short, but yeah. a beard. And and I said, okay, yeah, you're right. You have never seen it. So what do you want me to do? And she said, I want you to shave it. I'm like, yeah, no, let's, um, let's get to a compromise. I will, I will shorten it if you want and I will trim it, but I'm not gonna shave completely. Like I haven't shaved in I don't know how long and so we made a we got into an agreement so i trimmed it i trimmed it very short you know it was almost like this long all the way right without telling her like i just said and i went to pick her up the next day in school and i walk in she comes out she looks at me she's like I don't like it, and I was like in my head, "Well, fuck you!" <laughs> like there's nothing you can do now. And I said, "Okay, well, I'm sorry. Uh, now you're gonna have to wait uh, a while for me to get that beard again." So that's 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 the story.
1: <laughs> that's that's not like a typical kid. That's not like a typical child. Do it, do it. But, but it was so like honest. It. Like she just like looked at me. It's like
4: I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm Growing back, Daddy. Growing
1: back tomorrow, Daddy. <laughs> and, uh,
3: yeah. You know what? Uh, I'm sorry.
1: Uh, <laughs> I should have. I, I misspoke. I misspoke.
3: <laughs> Yo, but it's funny if she was a if she was like saying she was like like one or two and you and you she was used to you with a beard. If you would have shaved that thing all the way off, she wouldn't have know who you were at oh, all. Man, like, man, funny, right. funny.
4: You mentioned that because uh, with my oldest. I remember I was, it was not as long, but it was still very big and I didn't shave it at all. So it was like very
3: all over the place.
4: Yeah. (laughs) And we went to a a wedding in Mexico and as soon as I got off the plane, I just wanted to rip that shit off because it was so humid and so hot. Yeah. I was dying. I was, I just wanted like to rip it off. Uh, but the wedding was coming. So I knew that I was not going to keep that caveman look. So I was going to shave it completely. And and I was about to do that. And my my partner, she said, you know what? You should probably bring Lola. That's my the name of my oldest. You should probably bring her here because she's only known you like that. If right. you shave your beard, she's going to look at you and she's probably going to get scared. I was like, all right. Yeah. So I sat her down in the sink. And, you know, I gave her like the, the shaving foam and I was just, you know, shaving in front of her. And then when I was done, I completely shaved I was like, and she was looking at me like she was like and she was like a year and a half. She, she was, you know, she was still very little. Yeah. yeah, she was like, look at me and then I will pick her up and she will like touch me and, and look down and we'll see all the hair in the sink and. Yeah, so kind of like uh, I was like, what the understood f- that something God, was God. happening. Reiner, it was funny though because that. then I walk back to 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 the area where all the guests were. They had seen me for three days with this long ass beard, and then I arrive all <laughs> dressed up for the wedding. With and I'm with with Magali, with my ex partner, and. You could see people like talking to just like who is she with? Like what right. happened to yeah. to the caveman dude? <laughs> then at some point, some friends came and like everybody were asking like who the fuck were you? And, and I said, well, you know who? I- yeah, we know, but they don't. They thought Magali was having an affair with a dude. Uh,
3: that's
4: yeah. funny,
3: <laughs> you know, and That's disrespectful to her because so she came there with you, and three days later, right, <laughs> right, it? right. What kind of
1: lady you think she is? I don't know. <laughs> You know how people Damn. are going to be yeah. That's true, I, I don't know you, I assume the worst for Yeah, sure.
3: that is true
1: <laughs> That's funny What was your second question, Luke? Uh, my second question is, uh, you being from Venezuela, we know uh, some guys from Tripping Animals down in Miami from Venezuela, but they also talk about the beer scene in Venezuela not being as good as they would like it to be What do you, what do you think about the beer scene in your home country?
4: Well, I'm not going to venture into that because I know the guys from tripping are very good friends. Um, but I haven't been back to Venezuela in 11 years. Mm. So I can't speak about, um, about the beer culture there. Because when I left, there was no beer culture. That was almost 30 years ago. And then whenever I will go back, you know, I was not into like going and, and seeking beers out or anything. So in the last 11 years, I think that there's, it's like everything, right? It's, it's it's like changing. And nowadays the good thing with technology and social media and the internet is like people now, they don't have to wait for months to get something. They like just go on the internet, Google, and they will get a recipe of our beer or they can go to right. a website or a brewery or just see on social media and can just look at things and people can email each other things. So the the learning curve is much faster. And I think it's it's a very good thing. Mm-hmm. But it's still... You know, people have to understand that, and, and this goes not only be- for Venezuela, but for all of Latin America. Again, going back to how we have so much luxuries and commodities here. have to understand that people in Latin America, they don't have that when it comes to, you have no idea how hard it is for them to get like just the basic ingredients, like malts and hops and all like that. They always get whatever is in the bottom of the barrel. Mm. The shittiest, whatever is left of the malts and the hops, that's what they get. And the fact that they can make amazing beers with that, that to me is commendable. Right. Uh, so not all of them because you know, people who have the money, they can pay for that. They can, they can get better ingredients, but they never get like the precious thing. That's just a fact because I've been down there plenty I have this conversation with the hop farmers, saying, "Hey, how can we make this transition easier for the people down in Latin America?" So you know all these conversations I've I've had with them, but it's a matter of dollars and cents. At the end of the day, if somebody's willing to pay what you're asking for, they're gonna get it. And the people who yeah. don't have it, hey man, I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's um, it, it's more a question of that that you know they don't have access to all the ingredients that breweries here in the United States, for example, have or, or breweries in Europe, for example, because over there they don't grow hops. So all their hops they have to come from the United States or Europe. If they want to use like noble hops, there's only like a couple of countries in Latin America. that are growing hops. Brazil is one of them. Argentina is one of them, but the industry, the infrastructure is not there. So yeah, the quality yeah. is not there. And of course, if the brewers want to, compete or they want to they have to get you know the 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 hops and the stuff from here or the the malls from germany so that's another conversation i have with people especially in latin america when i go there is that i try to for them to understand the value of this and i tell them that for example i have no reason to go into brazil or to peru and have a hazy IPA. Like, there's no reason for that. Right. Like, I, I don't understand. I understand that those beers sell a lot, so they can make money. They can profit. That's great. But there's no reason for me to go to to Brazil and Peru and have a hazy IPA because, you know, that's an American thing. That's a North American thing. Yeah, And that's yeah. fine. And if you want to do that... As a, as a one-off thing That's cool But to base your whole production On that kind of beers To me that's just so sad yeah. Because what I was saying earlier That they have so much ingredients So much fruits, So much things that only they have right. And yeah. that's true for all of Latin America They have so sure. many yeah. unique ingredients That only them can get there That's how they can separate themselves So I always tell yeah. them You want to compete with the Europeans You want to compete with North America Then start doing your own Shit. right so yeah. one of the breweries i visited in brazil uh the farm that i was telling you that was my favorite brewery in brazil for hands down there were a couple uh, but this one in the farm for sure because they brew beer they also distill they plant coffee and they mm. they produce coffee and they have a restaurant So they use a lot of the ingredients they harvest in the farm. They use it for cooking some they use for, for the beers. And then, you know, they do barrel age stuff with ingredients that I have never heard before. And you try the beers and you're like, God damn, this is like world-class shit. Like you guys can sit down with Mm -hmm. the Europeans and the North Americans and the same table and you know, so some of them understand that part. But it takes time. And again, we go back to the only way to do that is with that 30, 70% that I was telling you before. 30% is making the beer. 70% is educating your consumer, making them understand why are you making those beers differently than everybody else. And why you're choosing to work with local ingredients. So when people understand that and they can appreciate that, then that's when the, when the switch is going to come. But for now, you go down there. I remember on that trip that I told you for the 11 countries that was five years ago. And I remember every single country I went, everybody was making hazy IPAs. Everybody. Mm. And I remember the place that I was the more shocked was in the Czech Republic. Because in my fairy tale mind, my idea was like, oh, I'm going to the Czech Republic. I'm going to got, have the best lagers. Yeah. I'm just going to drink lagers all day. And... Yeah. One of the breweries I was invited to go to Pilsner Urquell, which is like the originators of the pilsner. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that was that was amazing, amazing experience. But you know, they're a commercial brewery by now. Still, I'm not going to take anything away from them. They're still amazing. I love that that experience. But I wanted to visit something local, mm. something craft, something small. So I found a brewery, and I go and visit them. And again, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh shit, I'm going to have some really good craft check loggers i was so excited and i get there it was a sunday so i didn't have much expectations because in europe you know uh, hot and uh, weekends people rest and you know but i get there and i talk to the bartender and i tell her a little about my brother. She's like oh the brewer's here you want to talk to him it's like oh shit yeah sure so she go gets the guy the guy comes out he asked the magic question you want to go and take a tour I'm like, absolutely so he's it was a very small brewery so he showed me and in like five minutes it was done and then he asked, you want to try some beer? Absolutely. So we're going the cold room, and from the bright tank, he's pouring the beer. And as soon as he started pouring that, I knew what was coming. I was like, oh, shit. And he's, you know, he pours this thing, hazy, orange juice looking, and he gives it to me. I was like, oh, man. I asked him, what is that? He's like, oh, that's our new beer. I'm like, uh-huh. And what is it? It's a hazy <laughs> IPA. I'm like, oh, man. He's like, what? You don't like IPAs? I'm like, no, I don't like IPAs. But that's not my problem. I will drink it. I will try it. You know, I'm already here. But I asked him that question because that had already happened in every single country I went. So I asked him, I said, I want to ask you a question. Why are you making this beer? And his answer changed my whole view of it. And it made a lot of sense. So he said, well, maybe for you that you're coming from the United States, maybe this is boring for you. Like this is mundane. This is normal for me that I live in this small city here in this small village. This for me is innovation. Mm. I am sick and tired of Urkel and those kind of beers because that's what I grew up with. That's what I learned how to make beer with. So I'm sick and tired of that shit. For me, this beer here is innovation. I can use different malts. I can use different hops. Mm. I can use different techniques of adding the hops. So this for me is creativity. And I was like, Oh shit. Okay. (laughs) That that makes a lot of sense. Right. Right. That does, yeah, yeah. yeah. When, does. You, when you look
0: at it at a, at a different perspective, you definitely see like, oh, okay. Right. Even though people are still in America, we we drink a lot of uh, IPAs, but they don't get sick of, them. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, but again, we still early in the, in the craft beer game in the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things. It's still, it's like forty years; so it's not been a, a
4: huge process, but um, yeah. But it, that if you if you see that now, is that the United States for some reason, good or bad? Every every country in the world looks this way to kind of see what's going on here. And that's mm. not only in beer. That's with everything, with culture, with music. Right. You go to every country now and, you know, look at hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like yeah. a new thing here in this country. But in the rest of the world, that's like, holy shit. Everybody's like, oh, how? you know, we want to adopt this kind of culture. Right. And it's more than music. It's a cultural thing. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's
4: true. That's true um yeah.
0: all, right, all right any more actually not and now i got a question <laughs> another question
4: well they don't have to be questions. we can just have conversation just talk about yeah, things yeah, you know
3: yeah now nah, you got a lot of information though miguel come on <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but, but i'm curious to know because you said it started like people people were watching your personal uh instagram like hey you got too much beer on there so you started the beer trekker uh account So when do people just start saying, Oh, we love your work, won't you come out and check out like when do people start inviting you out, like, yo, we love what you're doing, come on out and check our site out.
4: So for the first three years that I started doing this, again, I started this as a hobby. So my two daughters, I was a stay at home dad full time for the first six years. And I started this as a hobby. I just needed to do something creative to not go crazy at home all day with the girls. So, um, every chance I will get, I would sneak a, a trip in there, go and visit some places, or even if we were out with family, try to go and visit a, a brewery or something and started creating this like, uh, archive of images, just taking pictures. So for the first three years, I would just every brewery that I will visit. I would just give them the pictures mm. for free, you know, mm. Uh, for me it was a way of it's not really free for me it was a way of saying all right here are my pictures the only thing i ask is that you give me credit so they will have some really good content to use for the social media they were giving me credit so that was giving me some visibility and i started to gain followers and again we're talking about the early days of instagram So I started to rack a good amount of, of followers, people who were interested, but because of what I was doing was different. And because back in the day, I don't know if you remember, but everybody was just taking the same fucking picture. So a glass, a bottle, there was no cans back then. So glass, bottle, bottle, glass, right. glass and bottle <laughs> and doing like reviews and things like that. I did it too. Right. I did it too at the beginning because I, I wanted to share what I was drinking right. and sharing my, what I thought about the beer Uh, but I also wanted to, to understand the whole process. So that's why I also worked at a few breweries here in New York city, because I also wanted to see on the other side, working on the other side of of the beer to understand the process. I'm I'm not a brewer, but I understand the process of brewing. And I have been around enough to to know, you know, to understand the process, but it was important for me to understand that part too. So I could, I knew what I was talking about when I was saying something, you know, to make it credible. So for the first three years, like I was saying, I was just giving out the pictures to people to use. And then in 2016, I remember that, there was a, a brewer that I met in one of the, of the of the festivals that I went because that was, again, also a big part of creating and cultivating the relationships of the people I was meeting. So one of the brewers I met at the Extreme Beer Festival, you, y'all remember that festival in Boston? Yeah. Extreme Beer Fest from uh-huh. Beer Advocate. Yeah. So I used to go a lot there because it was Boston. It was only like a four-hour bus try for me, uh, I would go there and take pictures and just, you know, just have pictures, meet people and network. I was a big part of of that network. So one of these brewers that I met there in 2016, he asked me one day, he reached out to me. He's like, Hey man, I need some pictures. Would you mind coming up here? He was in there still are there. They're in Rhode Island uh would you mind coming here i will pay you and i was like oh shit, okay <laughs> so i went up there took some pictures and that was like my first gig that i got paid and then after that i was like okay i understood that there was a a need for what i was doing and that my work had value oh, sure. so from that day on the switch clicked and it was okay. Freebies are done. So now when people are like, Oh man, you want to come here and take some pictures? We'll give you a four, four pack. I was like, I will go, I will take pictures, but you will pay me not a beer in money. Same way that you get paid in money. I was going to, I want to get paid in money. So I started, you know, doing that and yeah, just you know, try to be professional when you're doing your work, word of mouth, um, Then I finally, we're talking about that perfectionist part. I had my website part since 2013. I didn't put it live until 2018. (laughs) It took me five years to just click that button and go like, go live. Just let it go. It's never going to be perfect. Uh, And once I did that, it was like, you know, I started getting a lot of traction. People looking at it and started putting a lot of content in there. And and word of mouth. That's pretty much how it's have been. Yeah. Word of mouth, through introductions, through intros of people that I have met. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, just um doing a, a good job, you know, just go there, be professional, do what you need to do. I'm also like to people in the industry like to call me, especially the people who know me well now, call me a connector. for me it's all about sharing information there's no point of me knowing something and not sharing that information it's not going to make me any smarter any richer just to keep that for me Of course, you keep some of your your trade tricks and stuff like that. But for the most part, I found that the more you share, that always comes back. You know, and because I have shared so much information and knowledge and just connecting people, that comes back in some point. And sometimes people reach out to me. It's like, hey, man, we heard from you from so-and-so. He's a good friend. He talks so much about you and we just want to blah, blah, blah. All right, cool. So that came back out of the blue. Just... Mm-hmm. without me asking but remember that show uh, what was that show uh earl uh, his name is earl something like that mm-hmm. he used to say something do good things and good things will happen back to you uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, my mm-hmm. cousin my uncle earl, or my cousin mm-hmm. my name is so my earl name my is name from is from earl what's the show yeah right, right.
3: Yeah, that sounds
1: um. like some old shit. <laughs> uh,
0: it wasn't that old. Though. It was that, that guy. It, it was that guy.
1: I came out in, in the two thousands. Oh shit!
0: It was that guy, um, jo- Jim. Uh, I forgot his name.
3: Mm. Um, Bower. That
0: was name. <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> okay. Yo, Luoye
0: is making some shit up. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, um. He was a very funny actor. Can't remember his name right now. He was yeah. in that movie with um. With Will Smith, Enemy of the State. He was in that movie, too. Yeah. I, yeah, know, I like that, that movie. movie was...
1: Enemy of the State was good.
4: Yeah. yeah. I dude so, dude. remember the dude who was his friend that was in the bike that got the, the video game oh, that he got killed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was like the guy. That was, was the guy from My Name is got Earl. Got hit by the bus or something. Yeah. Ambulance.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Died on site. <clears throat> all right. Um,
0: all right. All uh... right. Any more questions for uh, Miguel?
1: Nah, man, Miguel. You, you got a lot of going on with you, man. Right. You, got a lot of, you got a lot of stuff. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Yeah, oh, yeah, man, I you appreciate y'all You're for the invitation. Story, man. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
4: We want to thank uh, Miguel. My younger brother, he moved uh, this year, earlier this year, to Baltimore. So if I ever go okay. and visit him, right. yeah. I'll let oh, you oh, know. Yeah, yeah, where man. are you guys yeah. in Maryland? Well, we're in, we're, well, Delaware, where are y'all? We're
1: in Delaware, but we're close. We're in Delaware. In
3: Delaware.
0: Uh, in, in Delaware. Yeah, yeah Delaware, how far?
4: Baltimore is like,
0: like forty-five
4: minutes. An hour, yeah, minutes hour, an hour yeah, like the yeah. most. So, so that's one part of one hey, part you got of the, drive, the states you, you got that I haven't visited Delaware, yet. Man. And I hear that there's a lot of uh, breweries there. yeah there we,
3: there we do have a pretty good amount of, amount of breweries.
0: Yeah, we, we, were, mm-hmm. we were just talking about yeah. This. statewide.
3: Yeah, we statewide.
0: We were, we were talking about this uh, the other. Well, I was talking about this with somebody the other day. It's like we got a lot of breweries, but they they're not as concentrated as on like other places. Right. Ours are, our, are yeah. our
1: that's why I said statewide
0: locations <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, yeah we, got, we got a couple out here that, that are doing thing.
4: I, I just visited about- Pittsburgh for the first time this year. I was oh. invited there by uh, visit Pittsburgh to visit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, They do this uh, event where they invite influencers Uh, I take advantage of that even though I'm not an influencer but fuck it, you're going to pay for me to go there (laughs) I'll go I think Uh, you are but you you get to meet a lot of people and I was surprised the amount of breweries out there uh, and good breweries Uh, I think I told you that. I don't know if you ever contact that guy. I told you, Rob, when at CBC that that guy was opening the first black owned uh, distillery. It's this guy who has a pretty amazing story. He used to be in the army and he was also a pro uh, football player. Now he opened his own distillery. I, I told you guys about that in yeah. Nashville Yeah you did I think I think I did I don't know if I did So I have to connect you I'll send like an email Yeah because I don't think I can, uh, Because uh-huh. that guy has a super cool story And yeah, he's, he's doing something pretty unique there in yeah, Pittsburgh yeah. as well That's dope mm. Yeah connect us connector <laughs> <laughs> Right because we're, yeah, yeah.
3: we're in Pittsburgh every year Yeah we are for the, for that's the, where
4: they do that uh, festival there right like a Barrel yeah, of Flow yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: that's, we out that's out. one yeah. festival I want to go but every time it happens I'm usually outside of the country so it was uh, the last one was not too long ago right this year yeah. Yeah. it was over yeah. in the summer yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's always a uh, very, very so wonderful, August. humble brag.
0: So it was early August, um, something. So I think they already put the date out for this. For next I think, year. It's, I think August, it's August, like
1: a second, it's like the second Saturday
4: August in August,
0: 10th or 11th, or something 10th or
4: like 11th. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was about to, I was leaving to Brazil, um, for that one. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, that's know. one fun well, festival that's you know. on, you know my, on my
3: list. Year. Come yeah. out this year, this well, the next year, 20, next
4: 24. year, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely a good time and definitely, uh, a unique, uh, be a festival uh, for sure.
4: Yeah, um, very.
0: <laughs> yeah, I definitely gotta <laughs> make sure I remember. I think I did reach out. If I, I think I remember correctly, I don't know if I got a response, but yeah, that's here there. <laughs> right there.
3: Right, because the connectors here, so they'll get you connected.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody on that festival, so no, no. maybe y'all can connect me. Yeah, yeah that festival. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We,
1: we, we can reverse connect. We could reverse connect. connect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely that's true. <laughs>
0: um all right well i want to thank uh miguel revest for uh yes
1: come on. miguel
3: thank you
1: <laughs>
3: uh,
0: before we go we always nice like to know how people can find you on these worldwide webs on these social medias like how can they find more about what you're doing your work uh, how can they invite you out like how can they get in touch with you
4: uh well the instagram is easy as the beard trekker and that's all my handles for all social media i'm most active in instagram facebook and then my website is thebeardtrekker.com if you want to contact me through there i have like a, the contact section of that where you can just you know email me directly there uh yeah i'm always open and available for work um And thirst uh, for curiosity is always there. Meeting new new people, new places, with good stories. You know, get them out there, share them.
0: Um, All
4: right, Uh, Yo.
3: (laughs) You can find me on IG at i m three zero two y o d a. (laughs) Yep.
4: Okay. Why do they call you Yoda?
3: (laughs) I'm curious. Mm, Don't be. Just so don't worry about it. <laughs> it's just a, a name that was given to me at birth. It was just a nickname that was given. That's
4: all. There's no story behind it. Nah, it I'm is sure no, there is no, a story you don't want to tell it, though. There's definitely That's a story, story, but I'm not going to tell you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Moving All right. on.
1: All right. <laughs> Robert's giggling ass. He wasn't so bad. Look at him. <laughs> I look. I don't even know this, the story. So I would love to know. I'm waiting. I'm just sitting here waiting. I'm going <laughs> nah, I'm I'm to get robbed by himself one day. He'll tell me.
0: I, I wouldn't tell you story. If you don't want to tell it, I wouldn't do that to you, bro. Um,
3: <laughs> no, nah, I, I could tell I can tell the story it's fine because so when I when I was born, I had a um like it's called it's actually a name for it. It's Mongolian uh Mongolian something. I don't remember. But it was green and some kids, some babies have it at birth, right? So mine was on my butt, so my butt was kinda green when I was a baby and my aunt was in the the Star Wars and so my aunt seen that green that green birthmark on my butt and she was like, Oh, like Yoda. And so from there, they just been calling me Yoda because I had a green button. So <laughs> I, look at that. I just stayed with it. Everybody's always called me Yoda, so that's just ain't no point in just switching it up now. Unless I get like a corporate job or some shit and I gotta be like, I don't know, politician. And I would oh, my name is Josh. But no, nah, other than that, nah.
4: Everybody just calls me Yoda. So you on went all the way and just say Yoda. She didn't even say baby Yoda. Nope, nope, just Yoda. You know that's the thing now. Right, baby Yoda, right, right? Right. But back when so you back could have when, been the originator. Yeah. she <laughs> would have said Baby Yoda that would have, I would have been the originator. You would have patented that and every time they say that you get paid. <laughs> yeah, you got your little dollar. Damn it. Say, they'd
1: have been like, nah, because you took Yoda from us, sir." <laughs> so Oh, that y'all have never been in court forever. <laughs> y'all back and forth. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. All right, Lou. Um, my name is Lou Belgium. I am on them Instagrams, All
0: Instagrams. Right. and you can listen to the podcast on Instagram, Facebook. I mean, you can follow the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Bruising the podcast, You can listen listen to the podcast Apple Podcasts, Google Pod. Well, Google Podcasts is going away, but you can listen to the podcast anywhere you listen to the Uh You Sheesh. can. Uh, yeah, it is going away. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot by now because I think it, I think it's over the outro. They're transferring <laughs> over to YouTube. They're throwing it off. <laughs> uh, they, yeah. Uh, but you can um, go to www.bruisingandbanter and find out wherever we're uh, playing. You can go that way. If you want to follow me, Rob G. There it is, Rob Stay Bruising. Bing, 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 bing. Um, uh, this is, has been, once again, want to thank uh, Miguel for coming on. Uh, this has been you, episode 228 of Bruising and Banter Podcast. Until uh, next time.
1: Happy birthday, Rob! Happy birthday, Rob. Thank it's you. your happy birthday today? today uh,
4: yesterday. It was yeah. yesterday. <laughs> oh, well, happy belated. Thank yeah. you. yeah thank, thank you. I'm just feeling good. I'm just feeling great.
2: I've been through some shit.